Hello and welcome to Theatre Club Podcast. We bring you theatre news, theatre booze, and theatre reviews. Today we've got our, are we calling it a Christmas edition or are we calling it a holiday edition? Well, we'll probably try and do one more episode while we're at home for Christmas, but that might be a New Year'sy vibe. So yeah, I guess this is our Christmas festive episode. It is the season. Lights are up. Lights are up. Masks are on. <laughs> I actually had my um, Christmas work party. I feel like we just managed to slip in our party before everything went kind of crazy this week. And it was really good fun. And the next day I was feeling a little bit hungover and um, somebody from my work was also feeling a bit hungover and we both went to see West Side Story. Did you? Did you go and see it? I went to see it without you. I'm so sorry. Do you know what? It's fine. It doesn't seem like you're fine with it. (laughs) Of Oscar, it was so incredible. I've never actually watched the film, the original. Oh wow! Yeah, so I know some of the music from it, but I don't actually. I didn't know really what it was about. Yeah, so it was all fresh. Um, Oh wow! But it's just incredible, and there's this really climactic moment in it. And obviously I was just feeling super fragile. So I found it so obvious. You know, when you're crying in the theatre or in the cinema and a tear might trickle down and your sort of lump is in your throat. Mm. I couldn't get myself together. Mm. I was so embarrassing. I was with someone from work and I was like, <laughs> like afterwards, <laughs> like really upset. It was, oh, no. it just, it, you know, like when a film is really scary and it you jump and you're like, oh good, I've been got. I feel like they got me. They got me good. Oh, interesting. I mean, Spielberg does do sentimentality well. Yeah, E.T., you know. Yeah. It's that kind of thing where you just think, all the music, the framing. Oh, I really want to see it. Oscar, it's so good. And do you know what you'll love about it is the dance is filmed like you would see like a big Gene Kelly wide on Mm -hmm. a a big crane. Like it's really good film dance. It's not, it reminded me of when we went and saw um, In the Heights and how they'd kind of modernized, they'd done some modern bits with graphics and walking up walls. You know, it was was a very 2020 production. This is filmed and looks like the, as in the colors, the actual grain of everything, like an an old fashioned film. He knows his. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't going to try and do anything to make it modern or to try and kind of, it's just, Oscar is just so good. And um, Steven Spielberg apparently, when they did the cast recordings of the songs, he went to every single one. I should hope so. Like he's, this has had a blessing. I mean, this couldn't be a more. And I I guess Steven Sondheim would have been maybe involved oh, in the... I, did I just say Steven Spielberg? Yeah, did you oh, mean sorry. Sondheim went to all the recordings? Sondheim went to all of the recordings. <laughs> yeah, that's why you were like, I should hope so. I was, yeah, like, I was thinking of course right. Spielberg would go. Oh, but Sondheim no, went to all of them. No, he went to all of them and gave, you know, notes yes, and that his, was his opinion. Yeah, he wrote lyrics. It was one of his second show after Gypsy. That's so. That's happened since we last podcasted, the death of Steven Sondheim. I know. So sad. That I was still... major news. And I was listening to Follies on my walk home. That when it night. happened. Yeah, and then I got in and looked at my phone and I was like, oh... My God. I mean, we all knew it was going to happen sooner or later. He was 93 or something, was he? I would really have liked to have but... gone into um, the West End because they all dimmed their lights for him. What a legend. I'm good. I read a really um... good obituary for him in The Guardian and I'm going to... I'm going to link it in the in yeah. our Instagram because it was really moving. It was really good and interesting. Yeah, an absolute legend. Absolute legend and probably our favourite lyricist, composer. Oh, think? yeah. I'm like more excited to see Sondheim shows than anything Me else too. when they come back. Oh, a new production of that. Always. You know, we saw Gypsy four times. 
We saw Sweeney Todd countless times. We Company. Yeah. That was brilliant. We, Follies I saw twice. I wish I'd seen it even more times. So sad that he's gone. It's so sad. So sad, but at least we've got West Side Story this Christmas to remind us of his genius. And Gypsy is on Netflix now. Oh, yes. Okay. So two of his And that's the Imelda Staunton um, version that did so well at Chester Theatre. It transferred to the West End. Yeah. It was at the Savoy Theatre. We love it. It's really, really good fun. Mm. And apparently Follies is being made into film. It's in active development, they say. So what that means, I don't know. But they're like, no, it's happening. So that's exciting too. But so sad that he's gone. R.I.P. R.I.P. Rest in power, Stephen Sondheim. Um, should we do a top tip? Yeah, I thought you were going to say, should we have a drink? One for we Sondheim. Should, Pour we one should, out for Sondheim. We should raise a glass. Yeah, we should. I'm trying to think if we've done any Stephen Sondheim themed, you know, what does she have in, um, here's to the ladies who lunch, another vodka stinger, Ooh. which I think is quite a disgusting drink. I think it's like creme de menthe Ooh, vodka. You're right. I remember like you talking minty, about this. minty vodka disgustingness. Because I remember it's a horrible colour. Yes. Yeah. And in it, I remember Patty LaBone having that big green drink and I don't think I want a minty toothpaste tasting cocktail. I'm trying to think of any other Sondheim themed cocktail. I think we did some nice, we did an Into the Woods cocktail once. It was lovely. It'll come to Greens, Oscar. greens and nothing but greens, I think it was called. <laughs> yeah! And it had a load of like fresh green fruit juice in it. <laughs> I'm glad you're um, memorising your I own name. My own You've got a fan club of one. Fan club of one. Actually, that's not true because um, a listener from Australia messaged me to say that they are loving our cocktails, want more inspiration, things to make at home. Oh, okay. I think it's probably because they're going into lockdown. Yes. <laughs> you're going to be drinking a lot of booze, making a lot of bread. So, top tip. Okay, sorry. Let's go on with the top tip. Really exciting news this week that Regent's Park Open Air Theatre have announced their new season and one of the productions is Legally Blonde. Oh my God, oh my God, you guys. <laughs> Bend and Snap. And Legally Blonde was that show that we kind of back in the day thought, meh, I don't want to see a musical based on We were totally snub- we snubbed it. We were just like, not for us. What, are we going to go and see like Jersey Boys next? Like mm-hmm. we're not seeing that mainstream crap. And then since sort of listened to the cast recording. And like, then Sheridan Smith kind of was in it. It had great reviews. Mm-hmm. The cast recording sounds really good fun, witty and kind of punchy yeah. and kind of not just mainstream. Yeah. So, and we've regretted we, it yeah. ever since. So although this isn't the exact same production... No, I'm kind of even more excited though. Yeah. Something a bit like a newer, fresh take on it. And it's directed, the original. directed by Lucy Moss. From Six. Six. So Six. we're excited about that. And I'm just happy, excited to see how Elle Woods and all of her friends are going to come to life. Is yeah. there going to be a and real think, chihuahua? And I think Lucy Moss, who directed Six, um, obviously knows how to do a fun female-led show with a lot of sass and energy that's kind of her thing so this seems like the perfect fit doesn't it oh my god just imagine the costumes you know reese witherspoon in the film had it written into her contract that she got to keep all her clothes and shoes interesting wise so, yeah very I, I wise she still got those yeah she does i saw it on one of those um like netflix shows where people go and tidy your house oh, and they yes, did an episode and she somewhere. said it wasn't Maria Kondo, it's these two women, it's called like Girls Can Organise or something, and they come and do it all for you. And Reese had moved into a new house and she wanted all of her costumes like displayed and mm. all the shoes and the bags and oh, yeah. interesting. It's really good. So yeah, I'm really excited about that. We've booked our tickets and when we go and see things at Regent's Park open air, we always sit 
above like if you imagine it's like an amphitheater and there are like tunnels coming into the center mm-hmm. we sit above those tunnels there is a safety rail and in front of you in front of you so if you're short i do think they would be it would be it a would problem be, it would be right in your eye because it's on the cusp for me and i'm five five mm-hmm. i mean five four but i say five five but i'm actually five four and the tickets are really cheap and we are happy to to go for the cheaper ticket. Yes. So to get those tickets, there are only um, there are only a few. There's not loads of them. They are twenty five pounds because they are restricted view safety rail. The two seats are long are sixty pounds. So like they are in a really good zone. It is worth getting them. However, um, if you don't want to do that and you just want to go take a group, have a great night out, the you know you can get a really good seat for like fifty five pounds, mm-hmm. sixty pounds. Well, you can get £25 seats around the very edge of the amphitheatre. You just then have a very much side-on view. Yep. So it depends what you'd want. I would personally rather look a bit more front-on and kind of have that bar just in the lower half of my vision. Yeah. Because it doesn't really bother me. But, you know, even if you even if you just want to go and sit get, you know, right in the bang centre, you know, you're still paying 65 quid, which I think mm. is not expensive. When you look at something like Drifter's Girl, where you're paying £80... However, for... you are risking the weather. That's the only thing with oh, the open air theatre. If you pre-book, you are risking. So my thing is always I'd rather go cheap and have that booked in my calendar. Or if I think, no, I want to spend the money, I would wait until nearer the time when See? I know what the weather's going to yeah. be like. And buy a seat on the day and spend £65. The thing is, for something like Legally Blonde, though, I think this is an outing. This is something you're taking mm-hmm. friends to. This is something you're, you're getting for somebody for a gift. I mm-hmm. got it for my friend for a present. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it will be good fun. Yeah, I just think this is going to be really good fun. You just want to pre-book your seats. So I think yeah. you're right. Book ones that are either restricted view or slightly further back. The nice thing about it being in a, in a sort of round amphitheatre is that there aren't any terrible seats. No, you can see from everywhere. You can see from everywhere. It depends how close or far away you want to be. Yeah, so there's not a bad yeah. seat here, basically. Yeah. It's how much you want to pay. So everyone should just get booking um, to see Legally Blonde. It's on at the Regent's Park Open Air Theatre and it's on from the 13th of May to the 2nd of July 2022. Cool. Um, and then let's move on to our first review, which is a Christmas show. Hex at the National Theatre. This is their big Christmas musical based on Sleeping Beauty, but it's a a modern, re- or not a modern retelling, it's a retelling. Um, it's not modern day, it's set in a mythical other time, and it's but it's looking at the story from a new perspective. It's looking at why did Sleeping Beauty get put to sleep. I won't kind of spoil why, but they've, take, they've done their own take on how that situation came to be. And so we have the sort of central characters of Fairy and Rose. They called her Rose, like Briar Rose, which is another name for Sleeping Beauty. And so, yeah, it's, it's an alternate an alternate story and it's very quirky. If anyone's seen the artwork and the posters, and it's it's got a very quirky, big, bold, bright, very... You can see they're leaning into like a grim fairy tale mm. sort of vibe with it. Oh, let's just talk straight away about the sets and the costumes. Yes. Because so... that was the absolute highlight for me. Yes, this is what I love about the National Theatre. It's in the Olivier. And so when you go into the Olivier, every time I just forget how lovely and big it is. It's so open and the stage is so huge. They've got a massive revolve. And then around that, so much like so much yeah. space to fill. They've just got so much. There's spindles hanging all around the set. It's lit amazingly. I thought the lighting... It was like looking in underwater... How do you say iridescent? Iridescent? No, what do you mean? Uh, Iridescent? Evervescent? Both of them. What's the one where when things naturally light up? What is that Yeah, because it had tiny lights 
through look like mushrooms mm. and de- dandelions, but with incredible lighting. I mean the the beautiful um, the beautiful colours and the they had projections as well yeah um onto fairy wings yeah paul anderson lighting director and uh katrina lindsay set and costume design uh, katrina lindsay you need to literally be nominated for this because yes it was kind of like almost fashion you it know. was very alexander mcqueen yes very alexander mcqueen and the lighting was just everything about that opening was really incredible it was kind of a spectacle for the eyes and that's what you want in a christmas show like I don't want to give the big reveal away, but the 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 um castle how they do the castle that was amazing that was amazing that's a really great that piece of set is I want that on a postcard I want to buy the merch mm. I want that card with the the castle on it because that was so cool yeah so like the visuals they're both bright but also a bit edgy and dark and quirky and I would say tonally if anyone is in, uh, thinking is what you know it's a family show it is a Christmas show. It does have some quite dark elements to it and they come sort of more in the second half. I felt like it got darker as it progressed. Definitely. I loved that though because I loved it as we've well. been brought up with quite dark stuff. Yes. If you remember mum used to read us the what was the what was the um fairy tale where the guy's thumbs got cut off because he went stop sucking his thumb? Oh like Shock Headed Peter. Shock Headed Peter. We had Rickety tickety tin, where she burnt her family to the ground. Mum used to sing that to us. That was like a family favourite in the car. Yeah, it's very much got that vibe. I just, I'm not sure if there's an age recommendation on this, but I think I would sort of say like eight and up. I don't think it's a show for younger children. I think it'll be too much. Mm. I think just, I I think it would be too much. I don't think. So I'm going to say off the bat, this is like an eight and upwards, maybe. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. Be my recommendation. Um, unless, you know, your children enjoy especially dark things. Um, let's talk about the music, because this is a musical, and also the creative team a bit further. So this is Rufus Norris, artistic director of the National Theatre. He has written the lyrics and directed, and his wife, I believe, Tanya Rodner, has written the book, and the music is by Jim Fortune. Um, so they've They've come to this as a, you know, I don't think he's written lyrics for many other things and Jim Fortune hasn't done a vast amount of musical theatre and I think that does show a Mm -hmm. little bit. Mm -hmm. It's uneven musically, I would say. And some of the songs were quite good and some of them were quite terrible. I found, like, actively quite terrible. However, to sort of jump ahead, I think the show as a whole kind of made me ignore those bits. I, for some reason, I think maybe the visuals of it, maybe me everything too. about it. That's exactly it how I feel. I think... didn't think about the music afterwards. I just was left with such a lasting impression of it as a whole mm-hmm. that I wasn't picking up on the fact that I didn't love the stage direction all the time. I didn't mm-hmm. love, I felt it quite wordy. Yes. I, I In the moment, I did feel that some of the songs, I was like, this is not working for me. But everything else I'd seen up until that point was kind of willing me on to the next thing. I never kind of gave up hope that I was going to enjoy the show. No. So when there was a bad number, I thought, I'm not liking this, but I've liked so much more. I'm going to wait. And in the next scene, there'll be something else that I will like. Yes. So I think it, it gave me faith in the show that I would enjoy it. I just thought that some of the numbers, um, the number where the thorns, sort of the thorns who were like mods. I really liked like the a, music. The, like the music that went with that was really yeah, cool. Yeah, it was a bit like knee high, you know, sort of like a madness kind of yes. mod sort of. 
it just went on too long yeah. and didn't have any uh, musical beginning, middle, end. It just went on and on and on. So I was sort of willing that to finish for the next one. But I thought some of the numbers, like When I'm 16, which was Rose's kind of I Want song, I thought was really good. Whereas Rosalie Craig, Bury the Lead, who we forgot to mention, plays Fairy. Her first song that set up her character was a bit disappointing. And I thought there was almost, when it finished, the audience didn't know whether to start applauding. You're thought, right. Oh, is, is that it was the end such of an that odd song? ending. Has that quite finished? It just didn't have any... Whereas When I'm 16 had a much more traditional structure and got a big applause yeah, from everyone. Yeah, it grew. The song grew. Whereas the opening song that Rosalie Craig sang petered out and I'd thought... Yeah, and she's got such a good voice. I wanted a bit more from, from her opening number. But her character is very unusual, very quirky, not your typical fairy. She almost has um, an inner voice that she argues with. And she, what I did like is her weird little um, yips and wails. She would occasionally just make like a little squeak or a noise. I really liked that as well. I thought that was really well done. It didn't irritate me. Whereas no. it could have been quite like, ugh, stop doing that. And, and just her body language had completely changed. She, she was all really, hunched over, so she looked like a small little... She's almost like Gollum from yes, Lord exactly. of the Rings. And, and that little, like, talking to yourself and quite, like, you know, no self-confidence. Mm-hmm. And it was really sweet. She was really sweet. Um, I thought Rose was played by Kat Rooney. I thought she was really good. Who is she? Where's Where's she come from? Um, what do we know about do her? Because her, her voice anything? is because, amazing. Yeah, she was really good. I think... Was that really a Scottish accent? Yeah, she is Scottish. She's she's young. She hasn't been in a massive amount. Nothing that we've seen. But yeah, she was really good. She had real like feisty attitude. Um, Yeah, I thought thought she was She belted her song out. Yeah, she really belted out, gave it all that energy. And then later in the show, I really felt for her where the story ended up going. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Oh, so we had on our night that we went, we should mention, um, hopefully the show will be up and running by the time this episode comes out, but they have had to push their press night already because this week they've cancelled three performances because of covid and the night we saw it rufus walked out on stage rufus norris and you know when the audience is like oh god what's the announcement and he said oh you probably don't want to see me because is it is this like a sorry you've all got to go home or a sylvia situation where they're like oh they're going to perform half the show um oh, let it go oscar god that was such a letdown but this he um one of the lead actresses who was playing like the the troll stepmother. Oh no, she wasn't a stepmother. No, was but she she, just... she was like a troll queen. Yeah, she's one of the one of the leads, or yeah, one of the second leads. Yeah, um, she was out, and so they had an understudy who hadn't rehearsed it. I'd only found out that day coming on to do it, and she said she'll be coming on with book in hand. And you kind of think, oh no, but it it's it was one of those situations like it often is, where it, it almost added to it because everyone is so behind that person coming on to do a good job. And then she came on with book in hand, but fully smashed it. Not in any way looking down, reading off a script. Just there is obviously a safety net in I case. actually think that she was one of the best performances in it. Well, do you know who it was? Who? It was Natasha Barnes, who, who understudied in Funny Girl for Sheridan Smith. And then Sheridan Smith went off. And, and Sheridan she... Smith went off and Natasha Barnes kind of became the get. Like everyone was going to see it to see Natasha Barnes because word got around that the understudy was... Amazing. Imagine I love that. She, her and Rosalie Craig have a duet. Mm. And you know when you think, wow, that sounds like it's been well rehearsed. Yeah. But is it just because they're just two really just amazing singers. singers? Yeah, so their voices just led so well That together. was the best song in it for me. That, well, that Even just that moment, those two, the duet that they do in the, second, in the second act. Yes. And that was quite, that was dark and yes. unusual. And I yeah, liked it. I really liked that a lot. 
Um, so I think we liked it. There was just moments for me, certain songs where I thought, oh, am I going to hate this musical? And then no, I was always like, no, 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 I am enjoying it. So that's kind of unusual for me to say that something with uneven musical theatre is something that I enjoyed because I usually don't. That usually ruins it mm. as a whole for me. But for this, I think because it's a fairy tale, it's a story we all know, but it's got a twist on it and it looks so incredible for a Christmas it was, show. It was like 11 out of 10 on looks. Yeah, and also and it, just staging. I loved her swinging on her um, spindle. I loved the dining table and that really dark The dining scene table, yeah. That spun round. The revolve worked really well. So I think overall, I think we really enjoyed it. I think there's just it's just a shame that the music's a bit amateur in places where you think, oh, that's not a proper song, especially with the passing of Son Time. And I've been thinking, you know, about what makes a good song. And some of those just didn't have it. And then some of them were quite fun. I think some of them you could have just shortened and had it more like a knee-high theatre production where music plays a part, but it's not a musical per se, mm. or it's not in fully integral. They're just, some of those numbers could have been shorter numbers, and some of them were more standalone songs, like When I'm 16 was a standalone song that worked. Mm -hmm. And some of the other ones could have just been a musical interlude with the yes. thorns doing a little bit. It, it wasn't a song, so don't try and do it for two and a half minutes. Um, so this is on until 22nd of January. Um, ticket prices in the Olivier range up to sort of £89, I think, at the weekend for your top price seats. But you can always get about £20 seats. We got £20. We were uh, second or third row from the back of the circle. And for this production, it didn't feel no, it very didn't. far away for me. Because they have so many things hanging down in the back, in the distance. They've used so much of the head, so much of the height of the theatre. I didn't feel like I was looking down on anyone. I felt like I was looking at it like a big IMAX. Yes, because sometimes when you go and see a play or something there, even if the set's big, if it's actors in the middle at a dining table, you feel a little bit like you're looking from far away in on a tiny picture. Whereas this, because it's so big and filled the stage, I think if you go for the back three rows in the circle for £20, you'll be pretty happy with. Definitely. And also that's why we like spending £20, so a musical that some bits didn't work for me, I think it's only £20. If I'd spent £89, I'd may feel slightly differently overall about our experience but we had a fun festive trip to the theatre for 20 quid it was a really good night out um so i think yeah and also they have their friday rush on their website shall i make a a hex a magical hex festive cocktail I yes it's about that time isn't please. it please Okay, so this is The Hex. Cheers. Uh, yeah. Happy Look. Christmas and cheers to Steve and Sondheim. Ah, the room to the ash. So strong it will put you into a sleep for a thousand years. <laughs> it is really nice. Beauty. It's um, It's that new um, Marks and Spencers, you know, every year they do their Christmas gin liqueur in a lovely bottle that lights up. Yes. With the gold flakes in it. Oscar, I literally like panted around central London last year trying to get one of those bloody snow globes and I got one. In Dorking, on my way home. I won, okay? People yeah, were selling those them. on eBay for like 60 quid. So this is made with that. So it's an orange liqueur, um, plus some gin, a little bit of Galliano, which is a vanilla liqueur, which is that slight vanilla. Because oh, I thought delicious. orange and vanilla is like Christmassy. Um, lemon juice. And that's it. Wait, say it all again. So, you've so got lemon the... juice. Let's start with that. Yeah. Lemon juice. The gin liqueur, which is an orange 
with the, the jaw. what? The, with it, has it got the sparkles in it? Yes, yes it you does. You see the little sparkling Flakes. bits. Then gin, beef eater. Some more gin. More gin. Oh yeah, it's got poop to sleep for a thousand years. Okay. And then some Galliano vanilla liqueur. Oh, it's delicious. Mm. So vanilla liqueur, what a great idea! Mm, just adds like a little bit of sweetness, a bit of Christmassy. You know, add it to like an apple martini or something. You've got like an apple pie vibe. Oh, please you know I mean? make me an apple martini. I've never had one. Wait, also, have you had any like Christmas um, hot beverages yet? Have you had a gingerbread no, latte? No mulled wine. No you gingerbread lattes. I've done nothing. Pumpkin spice. No hot festive oh, drinks. Queen. No. No nothing. Maybe we should go and get one tomorrow morning on our way to work. Yeah, pumpkin spice latte. Half fat nandari whipped cream pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> Extra shot of vanilla, please. Um, let's talk about the next show, which I went to see. Um, I've been wanting to see this one for a while, which is Dear Evan Hansen, which opened October 2019 in London. I mean, it's a huge show. I can't believe we haven't had it on the podcast. I know. I was waiting to go and see it, and then the pandemic happened in, you know, in early 2020, and I didn't get a chance to. Um, obviously, I listened to the soundtrack. This is a Broadway musical from 20, end of 2016. Ben Platt has kind of become quite a big star off the back of this, and it's easy to see why it's full of like pop hits. So the, the soundtrack sort of did very well. It's kind of like an old fat, you know, in the old fashioned way that musicals would do well via the soundtrack being played on the radio. You know, back in the day, Rogers and Hammerstein were popular music that you'd hear on the radio and then people would go see the show. Mm. Whereas now it's unusual for a musical to get kind of airplay outside of that space. And I feel like Dear Evan Hansen kind of did that and went a bit more mainstream because the songs are very pop. It's Benj Pasek and... Oh, what's the other one called? Something Paul Bench pa- Pascom Paul. Just calling them Pascom Paul. They did the music for Greatest Showman. So oh, very I knew I never recognised that name. Very pop musicy. And the story of Derevin Hansen is um about a teenage boy with very bad anxiety, doesn't fit in at school. His mum encourages him to go to a therapist, single mother. He goes to a therapist and part of his therapy is he writes a letter to himself each day that starts, Dear Evan Hansen, this is going to be a good day and this is why. And he goes into school and there's a another kind of troubled kid there called Connor who he bumps into, has like a bit of an altercation with. And through a kind of misunderstanding, Connor gets one of his letters and shortly after, he kind of commits suicide. <gasps> Oscar, is that a plot spoiler? No, everyone kind of knows. This is like the main setup of the show. It's This happens early on, and I think everyone kind of knows the story. Okay, well, I mean, I was looking forward to watching it on Netflix or Disney. Well, this is, this is like the setup of the story. He kills himself, and they find the letter that says, Dear Evan Hansen, and assume that he's written it addressed to to Evan and that they were secretly friends or something. You know, his parents oh. are like, he was very troubled. He didn't have any friends. And we've now found this letter to you saying oh. that you guys are very good friends. And sort of one way or another, a, a lie begins to like evolve. And okay. this situation happens um, where kind of Evan ends up going along with the lie for various reasons that him and that him and Connor were friends when they weren't. And it's sort of a, a comment on modern social media as well it become it becomes a big social media thing kind of becomes a bit of a meme a bit of an internet sensation and how quickly those cycles kind of come and go and how people attach themselves to tragedy that maybe weren't there's a there's a character of a girl at the school who kind of is suddenly you know very interested in Connor and their friendship even though they never had one to sort mm. of piggyback off the drama so there's there's some interesting kind of things going on there 
And I, that's, that's basically what I knew from having listened to the soundtrack. So I was very excited to go and see the show. Um, Sam Tutty, who plays Evan Hansen in the UK production, he won the Olivier Award, one of the youngest actors to win it for it. Wow. We saw him in Once on This Island. Do you remember as part of the British yes. um, Youth Theatre production? Yes, he was and they the did main... the, the staging where it was all in the middle. Yes, he yes. was the, the main character in that, you know, the boy that she fell in love with. That was wow. him. And yeah, now so look at him. He's doing really well. And his performance is really good. The character of Evan is, like I said, is sort of struggling with anxiety. And so it's quite a full-on portrayal and performance of that. It's quite twitchy, almost sort of bordering on Asperger's-y. And I wondered if that was intentional or if it was why that wasn't maybe more part of the story or maybe it's just supposed to be... That he's a bit of an oddball? Yeah, but I think it's more than that. It's anxiety and... The show is trying to do quite a lot of things in terms of talking maybe about mental health, um, suicide, obviously. And I don't know if it always, watching it, I don't know if it always succeeded with those. It was a little heavy handed and a little surface level sometimes with those issues. And I went to see it with Stevie and um, we really enjoyed it, but we did feel that the the sort of main thrust of the piece the, this sort of anxiety-ridden teen without meaning to take away from any young boys who have anxiety. I think it's a serious issue, but I think because it was maybe done a bit on a surface level and they didn't really get in deep enough into any of the more interesting aspects of that, it was more presented as this poor, awkward, twitchy guy oh. and that he deserves. And so we started calling it Dear Incel Hansen. Do you know incels? Yes, incels are the people that are part of this group on like YouTube and they just watch loads of videos about people about hating women they're virgins yeah it's like men who have taken their sort of their lack of success or I don't know what in life and turned it into, into aggression and it's hard not with that context of that in the world to sort of see some of the numbers like when him and the sort of ghost of Connor who appears throughout talking to him saying you know um, no one deserves to be alone like we're great guys and it's a, a nice sentiment, but it has a slightly incel vibe to it in some moments. Stevie and I, in that song, we both kind of clocked each other. And I was like, we're thinking the same thing, aren't we? <laughs> Dear incel Hansen. Um, so it kind of had that, which is... Poor me, poor me, poor me another drink. I know, drink. which is... And Sam Tutty was really good. I thought he did an amazing job. And it's a big performance. You've got to play kind of introvert anxiety out to the cheap seats. And I thought he did that really well. But some of it came across a little cheesy across the board especially adult actors playing his parents it just it like stevie said it didn't sort of connect with her emotionally at all and it didn't really connect with me emotionally at all so i think that's the bad side of it i think i can't believe it won best book at the tonys do you think and i know this is like totally xenophobic but do you think it's because in america their emotions are very on the level they're accessed very easily whereas Mm -hmm. in england i know we always talk about it but when we went and saw um miss harris we yeah, were like in absolute bits because she looked at her husband's watch. And yeah. that to us is just like, oh my God, this old woman's alone. She's yeah. to, like, that's all it takes. I mean, po- Whereas I feel like Americans, it's broader. Well, I would say that, but I won't give them a pass because it reminded me a lot of Fun Home. In the yes. Fun Home is about um, there's suicide in, in there, there's death, there's family trauma, there's anxiety, there's all sorts of things. And it musically had a similar style, fairly modern American musical theatre sound. And it reminded me of that, but Fun Home was so much better and was tackling it in a really interesting way, had some really interesting perspectives on all the characters. 
Dear Evan Hansen just didn't have any of that. And I found the resolution of the storyline very unsatisfying and almost like terrible. The like the conclusion of what happens to Evan and his character and everyone else's character, it almost, and I feel like there's almost dangerously, um, when dealing with issues of suicide, dangerously promoting the idea that maybe things were better for Connor and his family after he was gone. And I think that's a really dangerous thing to maybe channel into because I think that's how a lot of people feel. And that's why with suicide that people would be better off without them. And I don't, I feel like the musical, although they were trying to, I just don't think it worked for me. I feel like there was elements of it that kind of, they wrapped it up so neatly that I'm like, are you sort of maybe confirming that narrative? And I it just made me feel a bit uncomfortable and that, that, Dear Evan Hansen's character is slightly reprehensible, perhaps, for his actions and the conclusion of that and how he comes to terms with them and how other people react to him didn't work for me at all. Um, so those were problems. I thought the staging was very, so much better than I thought it was going to be. And the cast is only eight people strong. And listening to the soundtrack, it sounds bigger than that somehow. Um, and I thought the staging was a bit blah. The projections didn't go anywhere. It was all mm-hmm. a bit blah. So those are all my negative points. However, the reason it has done so well and the reason I enjoyed it is the music is really good. Would you listen to the soundtrack? I always listen to the soundtrack. Do you? Yeah. It's just like, it's pop. It's really good Broadway pop. Each song um, is a standalone in the first half. I should prefix that. Second half, not so much. Um, yeah, some really great songs in the first half that are kind of worth price of admission. Um, because I like Broadway pop when it's done really well. And I think it is done well. You know, Greatest Showman was in the charts for like over a year. Yeah. It, it, there's a reason. It's good pop music that kind so, of does the thing. So I enjoyed that. I enjoyed Sam Tati. I thought he was really good. And we got the Today Ticks lottery tickets, mm-hmm. which are £30, a little bit more than usual lottery tickets. Usually 20 ticket. okay. Usually 20 sometimes 25 a rare 30 for Jervin Hansen. But I thought I really want to see it. And we sat at the back row of the first circle. And I'm glad. I'm happy I spent £30 to see it. I'm happy yeah, I've seen it. that's great. The music was really good. Um, I did really like it. It's just not It's just not that great. And when I, I can't believe it beat Come From Away at the Tonys for everything that it did beat Come From Away. Because Come From Away is so great. And Dear Evan Hansen is just some, some good pop. And I, th- I feel like teenagers are probably going to enjoy it. But I've got a question. Yeah. So is the so the music's really great. That mm-hmm. sounds like it. Is there any dancing or p- like big no. numbers? No, there's eight people, and the choreography is a little bit like Hamilton on a budget, sort okay. of like bumping into each oh, other, walking, scared. stopping, turning, moving back and forth. <laughs> I found it a bit cringe in moments. The choreography. I think sincerely, I'm not going to see this. Really... I'm not joking, but like I'm not going to see this now. After uh, your review, no, and I wouldn't recommend it to you. No, but I enjoyed it. I like the music. I'll continue to listen to parts of the soundtrack first half basically and that's it um, do you know what I think I'll just, I just so where can I watch it's not for you it's not for me no. from what you've said where can I watch the film I'll definitely I watch the movie on Netflix which I've heard is terrible because Ben Platt is he's actually only like 30 years old but he looks 38 if he's a day wait wait they put him so, in that hideous Annie wig dyed brown it's like a perm isn't it with like, I haven't seen it. Have you not seen pictures or the no. trailer? Oh god, it looks. But wait a minute. So, so Ben Platt, who is who was on Broadway in the show, mm-hmm. is in the American film. Yes, is in the he book. started in Broadway, and then his dad produced the movie actually, and he is in the film 
some years later. I guess he did it in 2016. It's not a huge gap four years later, but he has Wait, grown older. Wait, it was in 2016, but the film's only just coming out now in 2021? Mm-hmm. Sorry, the original Broadway production's 2016, and they oh. shot a movie in 2019, okay, 2020. Okay. It just, he's too old. On stage, you can get away with some stuff that you can't in a film. And the, But I'm going to watch it just to see how terrible it is, but I've heard it's not good. Okay, let's watch it. Um, so yeah, that was Dear Insel Hansen. <laughs> Dear Evan Hansen, sorry. <laughs> no, that's that's mean. I just think because they didn't quite land, stick, no. stick the dismount on the on the issues of anxiety and all that stuff, that I ended up just feeling a little boo-hoo. And also, um, can someone hold this boy accountable properly, please? <laughs> um, so yeah, that was, that was Dear Evan Hansen. Ah, well, I'm glad that you and Stevie both had that reaction to it because it's yeah, nice did. when somebody totally... Your yes. moral compass is in the same place. It's not like when you watch, you know, you speak to someone about Jojo Rabbit and they're like, it's amazing. And you think, mm, you're a terrible person. <laughs> I still haven't seen you're that film because you told me terrible. not to watch it. I mean, Mum and Philip both love it, but oh. it's Jojo Rabbit. If you like Jojo Rabbit, you're I'm not going to watch it because I we like all the same things and you you're, told me it was You're one of two awful. things if you like Jojo Rabbit. You're a terrible person and you know it. Or you haven't understood the film at all and you are, you're walking through life with your eyes closed. Wake up. Jojo Rabbit is a piece of... But the thing is, I say we agree on everything. We will never agree on eternal sunshine of a spotless mind. I think you need to re-evaluate your decision that you made when you were like an 18-year-old girl being like, oh yeah, and maybe I missold it when I said, can you Jim drive me Carrey. to the cinema to see a Jim Carrey film? And you were thinking... I Ace Ventura, like, one and two, great films. I feel like 20 years on, you need to... 15 years on, you need to start... Maybe like it go back to it with a fresh what? head and think, okay, what I'm watching now is a Michel Gondry film. I'm watching something quirky, unusual, different, somber, pensive, uh, you know, magical realism. It's I'm not saying... magical realism. It's a nightmare that wouldn't end. Mm-hmm. What if I somebody mean, could true, erase but... your memory? Yeah, and it had all it. of the makings. Because, you know, I love Kirsten Dunst. I love Kate Winslet. I love Jim Carrey. And it's a great film. And I walked them. out of that film thinking, oh my God, that could actually happen to me, that somebody could have raised my I mean, mind. I mean, Over and crazy. over. Yeah, but we're living in a future But then it's where... quite romantic, ultimately. Oh, I just remember her on that train and on the beach. It was so bleak. It is, but I feel like it's you need so to bleak. give it a rewatch. No, thanks. I'd rather watch Legally Blonde. Yeah, I mean, those are often the two options, aren't they? Eternal Sunshine, Legally Blonde. So I think that's everything for this episode. Thanks for listening. And if you're looking for a last minute Christmas gift, book Legally Blonde. Yeah, that's a great thing to look forward to next summer. Also, if things get even worse with COVID, but let's face it, it could happen. Outdoor theatre. You're so right. That's That's not not getting shut down. Exactly. You're so right. So on that festive COVID note, um, Merry Christmas to everyone. Stay well, stay safe. Oscar, let's not stop bringing back the stay safe thing. Hey, we're not stay safe everyone I thought that had just gone what we're not saying to people stay safe no okay we're not signing off emails that way okay it's done I never signed my emails off stay safe <laughs> it happened for a bit of my work that's true but guys stay safe who knew that WFH was gonna become something that we all understood you know and who knew that that song by Fifth Harmony would just be so pertinent now <laughs> I feel like someone used to do a slow down remix that's like Somba you can work from, from home home home, home. You can get a Zoom Pro. (laughs) So, well, let's just leave it on. Merry Christmas, everyone. And thank you for listening. Um, This year's been interesting. Um, We've only really podcasted half the year, but thanks for coming back, joining us. And we've had fun doing it. And we'll hopefully see some more great theatre next year. A ho, 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 and a cough, cough, cough. (laughs) Bye. Bye.